What's up, fight fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, June 7th, 2021, and this week's episode, Rematch Central at UFC 263. We'll be recapping the weekend in combat sports, the UFC main event between Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Augusto Sakai, of course, Sunday's festivities with Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul, the recent announcement of Jake Paul taking on former UFC champion Tyron Woodley in boxing, and of course we'll discuss the latest in the middleweight division, Kelvin Gastelum stepping in to take on Jared Cannonier and that little uh, mix-up. And of course, we'll cap it off by talking about this coming Saturday's pay-per-view, UFC 263, the triple header, the rematch between Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori, the rematch between Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Moreno, and of course, the five-round welterweight fight between Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Good to be back. Not good to be moving to a new house, but uh, that's what I was doing for these past two weeks. But um, she, happy she to be told back. us she'd be back, and then <laughs> last week, oh yeah, I don't oh, care gosh. about the MMA Daily listeners. I don't care. And, yeah, you know, they just let somebody else sit over here and. No, hey, you should have gotten okay. Errol Hawani. I hear he's free now. Oh, <laughs> uh, you, you know what? I'm just looking forward to no competition on Mondays. <laughs> you know, obviously, there's two. Everyone knows there's two big MMA podcasts on Mondays. There's DC and Hawani and MMA Daily. MMA Daily. Yeah, yep. obviously, we are right there on the same level. Obviously, obviously. yes, hey, clearly. Where do you think he's going? NBA? What's going on? What I have uh, the rumors I'm hearing is he's joined the other guy who just left ESPN, Dan Lebetard. I guess they've really gotten. They've got quite a bit of financial backing behind them, so it's just going to be more more direct to consumer content and so pretty much doesn't have the espn brand behind him but ariel's able to just go directly produce his own thing and of course bring in all the profit that he makes for him so wow okay well what i will say is that i it does suck because when you think about espn mma look they they have all the ufc exclusives through bread and obviously during fight night so they're not going to struggle but when you think about their supplementary content and a lot of the stuff that they've built as a brand digitally yeah ariel's been a huge part of that so this is quite the unexpected changing of the guard you don't go from being the number one show for espn mma and just oh it's a it's not a big deal when you leave so for sure yeah, very interesting. But, uh, you know, Dana White doesn't like Dan Levitard or Ariel Hawani, so he probably doesn't give two hoots about that. He's probably happy. I mean, I don't want to speculate, but I would say that, you know what, at a certain point, it can't be nice knowing that, you know, the shows are opening up and you're they're finding a way to say you're still not welcome. Yeah, yeah. That's all. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to speculate because I do respect the fact that Ariel does not throw more logs in the fire on his end correct but we all know what's going on it's kind of they don't make a secret of it dana doesn't so yeah um Indeed. let's talk about sunday you know let's work backwards so um yeah floyd mayweather logan paul 
I know you must have found that riveting television. Talk to me, Natalie. Oh, Lord. I mean, uh, wow. First of all, Floyd Mayweather with hair and a beard. Didn't know he had that in him. You know, most times when you see an athlete with a shaved head, usually it's because the hair's going and, and they don't want to show it. So all this time I thought he was just bald. So that was surprising. He, he was pulling a Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I thought, okay, is he doing that? Like, is that a gimmick? Is he trying to make us think like he's the old man, you know, with his hair? In any case, it didn't matter. Um, it was um, a fight that surprisingly went the distance, eight rounds. The, one of the greatest boxers of all time went eight rounds with Logan Paul, who at the, at the time of that fight was 0-1 as a professional boxer. That was shocking to me. And uh, the performance of Floyd Mayweather, you know, he I think – he he was a little slower, of course, and even he would, would admitted to that, you know, I'm, I'm not 21. Okay, fine. So his reflexes weren't where they used to be. No one expected them to be the same. Logan Paul, halfway through the fight, after Floyd Mayweather started landing some really hard left hooks that would have knocked anybody else out of, of you know, his own size and his own weight class, um, was getting really tired, sweating profusely, more than I've ever seen a boxer sweat in a fight. And um, just started really holding on, clinching, hugging, doing whatever he could to survive so that I think at the end he could say, I went eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather. So it was disappointing for me because Floyd, I would say, did his best considering the the size disadvantage that he had. Um, And his opponent, Logan Paul, was not interested or able to, and, you know, not surprisingly, not able to, to, to stay at the same pace as Floyd Mayweather. And so resorted to holding, clinching, hugging, whatever you want to call it. So that was disappointing. Uh, I, I got to believe Floyd Mayweather was, was embarrassed a little bit. I know he made a lot of money, but he had to be a little bit embarrassed that, that this guy got to go the distance with him when someone like Conor McGregor couldn't do it. And, you know, lots of other people he's, he's, he's actually fought that were, traditional regular you know good old-fashioned boxers couldn't do so maybe he takes it with the grain of salt he says i'm older you know logan paul was better than i thought he would be i don't know inside don't you think he was kind of upset that he couldn't finish him and and make a highlight reel for himself what do you think Uh, absolutely i think that um you know, all of them will say this, you know, when you're trying to get the knockout, that's when you seem to not be able to do it. The knockout happens when you're not trying, you're just kind of in your flow and you could really just uncork one of those big shots right on the button, right? A bunch of them say that. I felt personally, and I know there was a lot of talk, it's fixed and all that. And I did say like, there's, I promise you, there's somewhere in the paperwork that says Logan Paul is not allowed to defeat Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> that being said, you know, I thought like, okay, they're going to script us something. If it is scripted, they're going to script us something. Logan's going to scare him with the size. And then Floyd's going to do what Floyd does. And he's going to look like a master. And he's going to hit those perfect shots at the perfect time that stop, you know, big bad Logan Paul out there. Instead, I felt like you saw exactly what you were going to get. You have a 30-pound advantage for Logan Paul against a guy who is never known for having heavy hands. If anything, right. he has a reputation for having rather brittle hands. He's, mm-hmm. by his own admission, takes a lot of care because, you know, his bones just never were that dense, Floyd Mayweather. So what did we get? We got a Floyd who was expertly avoiding the jab, 
but when he got in close, he really just could not put enough punches on the button together to actually get Logan out of there. Logan, bigger, in survival mode, knows absolutely rule number one, hands up, chin down, clinch him to slow him down, and he did exactly that. Offensively, Logan didn't have anything more besides the jab, and he would kind of throw those big punches, and yes, he had his big moment at the end of the first round. It looked good. I'll give him that. (laughs) But at the end of the day, offensively, after the jab, he really didn't have much, and I think that was very apparent to anyone who's watched this a few times and has eyes that work. So... Uh, was I surprised a little bit because if, I almost wish they had scripted it because I think it would have led to something more entertaining. I thought, well, that's what they want because if they do ever decide to do another exhibition, not together but separate either way, you want something that, oh yeah, that was at least fun television. I can't say I walked away from that entire event saying that was good television. If anything, I felt like it was uh, quite, you know, the rain is coming down and they're angering the MMA, not MMA gods, but the boxing gods in this case. You know, and earlier in the night you had the guy, they kept slipping because it was raining and like the ring was covered, but the wind was carrying in the moisture and it's like the dude kept falling. Then you had the other guy almost disqualified against Badu Jack. Um, and it's like, dude, what, you know, the circus is in town. So, um, yeah, back to Floyd and Logan. I was surprised that, you know, we didn't actually get something more. But if anything, yeah, you got... They sold it. You're going to either see a masterclass from one of the best, or you're going to see a dramatic, unbelievable upset. Instead, we got neither. So take that for what you will for forty nine ninety nine on a Sunday night. Oh, jeez. First of all, two things. I thought it was on Saturday. This is how out of it I am because of the move. So I'm checking my DVR. And it's like a brand new box because we just moved. So it's like a whole different system. Same service provider spectrum, but they changed their box. I'm like, I can't find this this darn thing. I can't find it. Finally look it up. I'm like, oh, it's Sunday. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that got me. Then I have to pay $49.99 to watch it. My, my spectrum box keeps crashing. So I don't actually get to watch it live. Mm. I have to record it, record the re-airing, and then watch it this morning. Um, because the box kept crashing and didn't complete the recording of the original airing. And I had to go put my kid to bed. I know, I know. <laughs> this is uh, horrible. Secondly, I know. Secondly, you know what really pisses me off, man, is that Logan Paul for the rest... And I'll, Let me finish my thought and then I'll get back to something else. For the rest of, for the rest of his life is going to be saying, I went eight rounds with Floyd Mayweather like he did something. And I don't know, man. Did he do something great? Or was it just... Floyd was older and is it, you know, is it just really a series of circumstances that, that, that led to Floyd, to Logan Paul being able to, to go eight rounds, but it doesn't really mean anything, right? Like I just, it just pisses me off and it's got to piss off Floyd Mayweather. Uh, 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 the other thought was that for my, for the whole time I've been watching boxing, I've always rooted against Floyd Mayweather. I've always either really been a fan of his opponent or rooted for his opponent because I wanted to see Floyd Mayweather lose. I think half of the people that watch him fight, or in that camp. The other half are real fans. This fight had me rooting for Floyd Mayweather. And the one and time you root for him, he doesn't the get the I job the done. Guy, can't get the job done. He, he never threw more than the left hook. Uh, you know, he was bobbing and weaving, as you said, uh, uh, to defend himself against the jab. That's the only move that Logan Paul had. And so his move was the deep, the deep side bend. You know, the deep duck. And 
and then the left hook, but she landed a bunch of times. Okay, great, left hook, but he just didn't have the juice to knock him out. And I'm like, dude, Floyd, like, you can't throw combinations. You can't throw a one-two, a, a two-three. Like, get in there. But I guess, at, at rightly so, it was. It would have been more embarrassing for him to get knocked out by Logan Paul than to have this be the, the outcome. And so he did what he had to do to stay on the outside and only move in when he felt it was safe. And that resulted in a fight that was rather uneventful. And it is what it is. I mean... You say the circus is in town. This is like the third circus with the Paul brothers involved. I mean, how many circuses have they have they brought to our town already? Yeah, I don't think they're going away. So, well, ready. I mean, we, we will be back to talk about Jake and Tyron. I I want to acknowledge that. Um, what I would say is that. So yeah, you said third circus. There's been a price of admission each time. You couldn't just walk up and walk up to the big top. My question is after this one. What do you feel is just the general interest level in paying to see a Jake Paul versus Tyron or, you know, just any other type of these kinds of exhibition fights? Let's even take the Paul brothers out of it. Let's say another influencer, another athlete from another sport. What do you think it is? Because I think that's the biggest thing is that are we still at a point where you're getting people to pay hard-earned money? Like, is, is the heat coming down finally? Yeah, it's we're simmering here. Um, but, you know, you say take them out of the equation. Okay, fine. And I'm trying to think, then, who else could generate as much interest as they have thus far? Oscar De La Hoya. And Oscar I know, he, I know he's a, he doesn't count because he was a real boxer, but let's go with that one. Okay, yeah. Oscar De La Hoya, people would pay a lot of money to watch fight anybody if he continues to go with this i'm gonna fight an mma fighter thing i think that lowers the interest uh again i'm the sucker who's always gonna pay for these things but you know it was way more interesting to me when i thought as he said he was going to fight the best boxer he could and then we find out he's going after eddie alvarez and george st pierre okay you know so so yes there's still interest in oscar de la hoya if there's another athlete in an, a world outside of combat sports, the interest, no matter how big of a star they are, the interest goes way down. Unless freaking LeBron, LeBron James or like Tom Brady. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's got to be like the top of the top of another sport for the interest to go up as high as it has done with Floyd Mayweather fighting Logan Paul. If it's anybody else below that, like like Chad Ochocinco, right? If he were to have headlined this card or a card like this, the interest would not be nearly what it was. So we found out it was a good thing he didn't, by the way. Good thing he, he didn't, got yeah. up off the deck. You know what? Props to you, man. You went out there and you put your <laughs> you put your money where your mouth is. All right, man. You he know, probably couldn't even see the fight after because he was like in the in the in the in the seats after right? he was probably like didn't even know where he was. Ah <laughs> oh, man, that that did hurt more. <laughs> like I thought the linebackers were rough. <laughs> um, you know what? Um, here's what I remember. Floyd Mayweather was breaking, was beating a lot of other fights, pay-per-view numbers, fighting guys way less famous than Logan Paul. You know, not everyone was Manny Pacquiao, Miguel Cotto, guys like that. There were a few guys in there that you never cared to watch before or after they fought Floyd. So right. I, I want to acknowledge that, okay, he knows what he commands by himself. He's proven that. He's got that on his resume. He can say that with his chest out. Um, 
I will say though, at at this point now, like you said, we've got the Tyson and Jones and Jake Paul Ben Askren was well promoted, if I'm being honest. I felt like they had a great mix of people, if not the best style matchup at the end of the day. I can say right now, and I know we're about to do this in about two months with Jake and Tyron, I don't know if I feel like the same amount of people. If you are a hands-down Logan, Jake Paul fan, young fan, I don't know if you are looking at that one and saying, I'll do the $50. I'll do the $65, $64.99. I do feel like if they could do a Jake versus Floyd, maybe, if Jake beats Tyron. But I do feel like Tyron versus Jake is going to experience a drop. I just... I have a hard time seeing seeing it just... It's just the same two guys. And yes, I know, like, yes, don't we pay to see, like, uh, Connor or someone twice a year? Yeah, but that's against the best of the best, you know? I feel like Jake and Logan keep charging the same amount for these exhibitions. I don't see how they're going to still get people to pay and still get people to bite the same apple each time. Yeah, they're not good enough boxers, right? So, like, the thing with Floyd went eight rounds because Logan Floyd was too small to knock him out, and Logan Paul was doing the trick of holding on and, and not letting Floyd string together any punches. And then you, you go Jake Paul when he fought Ben Askren, he knocked him out in the first round. Okay, well, you didn't really get much for your money there. You know, you might have been excited, but now you look at Tyron Woodley. I don't see him faring that much better than Jake than uh, Ben Askren. Like, okay, he he he's more of a striker, like you know, by a hundredfold. But the guy who juked Robbie Lawler and knocked him out to win the belt, that man isn't the same, isn't around <gasps> anymore. He's not around the, anymore. You did not just say that about the chosen one. You <laughs> know, so, we'll, like, we'll we'll get back to that. I want to put okay, a pin okay, on okay, that. Okay. We'll you know we'll save that because that's MMA news. Oh kind yes, of. okay, yes sir, got it. <laughs> yeah. We could trust me, because then we're gonna turn into a twenty-minute segment. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I still can't believe how many times that guy fell in the rain. I was like, I'm sorry, but this is, and they didn't even sell out the stadium. Yeah. No offense, but you could have had that in a ballroom. To be honest, like if you're selling the same amount of seats, you know, like dude, the Miami Heat got swept the day before. They could have put them in that arena, you know. Nice air condition with the roof, the bar inside, you know. <laughs> Outdoor stadium for only floor seats. Come on, man. Anyway. Uh, Saturday, uh, the return of the UFC. Obviously, uh, the week before, we'd had a week off. And this Saturday, we had Jorzinho Rosenstrike back in action against uh, Contender Series veteran Augusto Sakai. Uh I was very impressed with the forward pressure. I think that Jorginho did a good job just really getting his presence against Augusto. I thought that Augusto, if he was going to get the job done, he was going to be the aggressor because I think that that's the biggest thing with Jorginho is that people who can really take it to him, who aren't afraid of the power, Overeem, Cyril Gunn. Um, I don't count Francis Ngannou because let's be honest, that's another... And it's, Francis is like a different equation in the math book entirely. But the fact is, you know, these technical guys have given Jorginho problems when they're able to outwork his pace. And instead, Jorginho, I thought he was he asserted himself very well. 
I thought that he was leading the dance, so to speak, throughout the fight. I thought he was picking his spots well. I think Augusto was kind of at a bit of a loss. I think he was still trying to process the data and figure it out. And it was all for naught. You know, Jorginho with the left hook and the follow-up um, at the buzzer right at the end of the first round gets the finish of Augusto Sakai. I thought it was a great statement victory. I thought that was exactly what you need to do to prove that you are still on a different level than some of these guys. So I thought all in all, solid performance. What about you? Yeah, I mean, a solid performance. The most important thing for him probably is the highlight real finish. You know, that's what makes impressions in, in this division and the heavyweight division. So, you know, I was kind of like, uh, felt like they were just kind of doing the dance. So you saw it you saw it with better eyes than I did. Um, and so for me, it was like, oh, okay, they're just kind of dancing around each other. And then boom, knocks them out. Okay, cool. Because um, I didn't want to see more of the... Uh, of the feeling out period. So good for him. It's a, it's a big win. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't a very active one. I just felt like Jorginho kind of, you know, he was the one that seemed to be less weird. I thought felt like Augusto felt like he was more on the defensive, even though not a lot was thrown. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. On, on, you know, going backwards, kind of parrying a lot of stuff and, and, and reacting to, to faints and whatnot. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Good, good move for him, and the division is with Francis and Ganu at the top. Stipe, you know, gunning for that rematch after Derek Lewis, like you know, John Jones, whatever. I don't know if that'll ever come to pass. That's a topic for another conversation. But yeah, Rosenstrike's uh, looking better for sure. A lot of people threw out uh, Curtis Blades for Rosenstrike next. I actually like that. I think that um. You know, they've, at least Curtis, he's fought pretty much everybody else ahead of him. Um, I feel like anybody else would be a step back. I think that, uh, like you said, with Stipe out there, I mean, I I think it's safe to take Stipe off the board for the rest of 2021. Um, Maybe late 2021, but I know, like, as we look to the summer and fall, he's got the you know a new daughter coming in, so congratulations. So I just see him taking a good amount of time off. He's been through two wars, you know, took on DC, got stopped pretty good by Nganu. I definitely see him taking time off. I'm like yourself. I'm not even going to touch John Jones. We kind of did that last week and. I just don't see a scenario where that's going to happen anytime soon. I think that the more days that go by, the less likely it feels. Um, So I think that with Curtis, I think that the best option you're going to get at this juncture is Jorginho Rosenstrike. If you do plan to fight again in 2021, I think the guys, you know, the bigger names just aren't going to be available right now. So I like Rosenstrike for Blades. What about you? Yeah, it's a fine matchup. You know, as you just pointed out, the the top top is a little busy, tied up. So just keep the uh, keep the ball rolling, and it's it's a good uh, it's a good matchup, and it'll give both guys. I mean, it's a, it's a good matchup, and it would be an important matchup because whoever wins would be you know sort of sitting a little bit closer to that that challenger spot. So probably. We'll see that fight sooner rather than later. I don't think Rosenstrike suffered any any uh, any damage there. Yeah, I, I feel like they're going to probably headline something in the fall or 
you know, they could always put them on a pay-per-view and that really bolster it for sure. Um, you know, I will say this just to touch on it. When I look at that heavyweight division, I think we're more excited now. You know, the rumor is August for Nganu and Lewis too. Um, but you got Cyril Gan and Volkov coming up. It's kind of like, hey, well, let's get some answers. Like, John, is it or is it not going to happen? Because otherwise, I feel like you got to start talking about Gon and Volkov. You got to put some more respect on their name because that is a. Those are two guys who have just been performing well. I know that Volkov has had to bounce back from the loss to Blades, but then Gon, if you talk about, you know, you beat JDS, Rosenstrike, and Volkov consecutively. You are the next guy up at heavyweight, so I am very... I I know we're not going to make a long discussion, but I will say that as these guys' fights get closer, decisions are going to have to be made. They're going to have to make a call and say, hey, yes, no, this is where we're at with uh, those guys, like John. Yep. I mean, you've been gone a while. Don't take all the mic time, man. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you. That was well said. I agree. No, I'm messing with you. Uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Man, that was a fun fight. And he'd been through a lot. And it looked like Miguel Baeza might kind of rally there a little bit. But, man, he kind of... Not the knockout artist, I remember. But you know what? He was aggressive. He had to bite down on his mouthpiece a bit in there. I thought that was a pretty fun one. What about you? Definitely fun. Yeah, Ponzinibbio, it's it's good to see him on the winning track again. The leg kicks at the beginning there, yeah, that was that was trouble. But um, that Argentinian spirit, man, he uh, he he pushed through. So it's it was just fun to see that he's back in our minds as an exciting fighter, which, you know, it'd been a while because he was sick. But I can't remember what it was that, that put him out. Do you remember? He had everything. I think that he had the bone infection. Yeah. Okay. No, I think he injured himself. Then they found the bone infection. And it's just like, look, you know, like that kind of stuff. Some people don't really. One, not everybody survives that. Two, not everybody kind of goes back to their same quality of life so when you're talking about you're gonna go out there and put your body through the ringer for camp and a fight you know it's a miracle he's still at this level so you know he's a blessed guy for sure um i mean yeah just one of those nights uh not i'm not gonna say every you know this wasn't gonna go down as one of the wildest nights of finishes in ufc history but you know just another solid return of MMA. I think obviously the real attention is going to be coming up for this Saturday. But we have a little uh, pit stop. We're going to take a little detour to talk about Natalie's favorite people. <laughs> I imagine it's kind of like when I had to deal with talking about the CM Punk thing. Oh, okay. And I, I remember. Know, this, I don't think this is as bad because I just keep saying to myself, but good for like I always say this to you, right? Good for them. They're making so much money. And if someone came to me and said, "You can go fight, you know, Ronda Rousey in a boxing match in three months," I'd be like, "Yeah, hell yeah, I'll do that." Like, you're gonna pay me to train, and or I'm gonna, you know, train and like make I money. could buy a new arm. I, yeah, no boxing, just oh, boxing. Box. I don't know. I could buy a new face. <laughs> I could buy a new face. I could, I could buy new. I could buy new bones. 
<laughs> Look, it's she's pregnant, so it would be fighting pregnant Ronda Rousey, so it would only be head headshot. Headshots. I was going to say, Natalie, don't take this wrong way. It's still take Ronda. <laughs> I'll only fight her pregnant. <laughs> oh, um, you, but you, like, know, you know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a, it's a dream come true. Like, I can, I can imagine how thrilling it must be for them to do this. And still, I can't stand them. But you got to give them credit. Um, I think that there's a couple of different elements than the thriller thing. This first and foremost is that Jake is now also, he's got a multiple fight deal with Showtime. And quite bluntly, Mayweather is absolutely loyal to Showtime. And he, you know, he's broke all of his records essentially with Showtime in their partnership. So I think that's a big deal when you talk about if we're going to get another exhibition between a Paul brother and Mayweather, these are the correct things to happen. Secondly, Tyron Woodley, when I think about how he started that fight, started that fight against Vicente Luque. Uh, you know what? This bodes very well for MMA getting their revenge on Lo- sorry, on Jake. Um, I, I get it. Look, the storyline, the best friends, uh, Tyron and Ben, and avenging the loss, and they had the little altercation, and obviously they're getting in each other's face. Tyron, just as a personality and as a fighter, is completely different from Ben Askren. So, all of that goes into effect. I want to just acknowledge this, Natalie. He lost to Kamaru Usman, who we're talking about. Could he make a run at GSP's status against Colby, the unanimous number one threat to Kamaru right now? To Gilbert Burns, who was a title contender just this year. To Vicente Luque, who's on the way up. He hasn't been losing to scrubs. He right. hasn't even been getting stopped by scrubs. He's been going the distance with these guys. Yeah. Now, like I said, it hasn't gone his way. I'm not going to act like those were very close competitive fights. But I think that the Vicente Luque loss, the nature of it, his age, his general athleticism and lack of injuries compared to Ben, which were well chronicled, if I may be honest. I think all of this bodes well. I think the real key to it is we just paid how much money for Logan and how much money for Jake before that? I mean, I I have a hard time seeing everybody, all right, let's do this again with the same type of enthusiasm. I think at this point, coming off the heels of Mayweather Paul, Logan Paul, and, you know, the quick knockout of Jake, of Ben Askren suffered against Jake Paul, the, the, the best way for this fight to make to create an interest and they're so good at this is for the pre-fight interactions to go over the top right gotcha hat employee mailer all that stuff so what can jake paul do to tyron woodley to not necessarily get under tyron's skin but just to get people you know excited about watching this fight i have no idea i bet we'll come up with something tyron doesn't wear hats Tyron doesn't wear hats, so, I mean, does he wear chains? Does he wear earrings? Um, you don't want to pull out an earring. You know what? But, can, I, can I be honest with you? Yeah. As you said this, Connor, Chael, um, Colby, they have said some very, very, very uh, controversial things to build those fights. 
I would like to point out they could back it up in real fights. I would strongly advise Jake Paul to stay in his lane in the trash talk. He is very good at being a problem child and annoying. Like the way any young person of his age can annoy an older person. You should not go out there and look at the things Connor and Colby have said to sell a fight. It will not end well, Jake. So my thing is, I don't know if he could actually get more annoying without becoming controversial. And that scares me because I don't want him to try it. <laughs> I mean, controversy will sell also. But if he, if he approaches cancel controversy... Okay, then we're 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 going backwards. We're sliding backwards, and the dollars, uh, the cash register is going backwards. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a a narrow path here for for Mr. Jake Paul to garner interest in his fight with Tyron without crossing a line. I still think they can do it. I mean, the way they've made their money. I don't know, like I never watched their videos or I've watched like a few as you know later in life. But like the fact that they could make so much money doing that stuff and then get this these opportunities, I think I, I think their star is still climbing. I think the wallet is gonna be getting bigger for these guys, so I'm not too concerned. Uh, yeah, it's gonna the number's gonna dip, but it's it's still gonna be uh, probably making more money than a lot of UFC pay-per-views. I hope they get invited to a bunch of boxing and MMA between now and then because I think that's the best way to sell it because yeah. I think that, that the fight's not going to be sold on the interest now. I think it's going to be sold on the conflict. I think Tyron's resume speaks for itself way ahead of uh, Jake or sorry, way ahead of uh, Ben. But um, yeah, I think that's the easiest way to sell it. And I hear you with their videos. Yeah, um, I... I, I if you're in high school and you don't have to work yet and all that, you know, I understand. <laughs> I remember having nothing but time after school. I can, I, I get why young people of a certain age got a lot of time to watch vlogs. I'm busy living my own life. I'm not saying it's always more exciting. It's usually not. <laughs> but I'm still busy living it to watch somebody else live theirs on a vlog every day. Yeah, you, that's something, huh? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> It may not always be more exciting than Jake, I'll be honest. You yeah. know, I don't got a robot, but I'm still busy living this life. Anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum, he's going to be the one taking on Jared Cannonier. Uh, let me look at the date. That, I believe, is August 21st. Um, wait, where did I put it? Yes, August yes, 21st August for Kelvin Gastelum. He's looking to bounce back from, you know, just last month, taking on, uh, or sorry, early April, taking on Robert Whitaker in a five-rounder. Uh, leading up to that, he'd snapped the three-fight losing streak and uh, beaten Ian Heinich. And he's taking on Jared Cannonier, who was pretty much right there for a title shot before his own loss to Whitaker last October. Uh, if you don't remember, he hurt his shoulder, so that's why he's been out so far in 2021. Um, the real kicker here is that we had heard that it was going to be Paulo Costa. And by the way, sometimes Paulo goes quiet, and sometimes, my goodness, I wonder who he's got running that Twitter. I mean, if you're not following him and you don't see him go off on these tangents, all you, all I know is it's not the same guy. Um, but anyway, he kind of went off and 
he said essentially uh i i didn't pull out in fact i never accepted or signed the contract to fight jared and um so i don't know why they announced it and then he went on to say look what the youtubers are making if you want me to main event i should be paid main event money and then i don't know if he deleted it or not but he sent out a tweet that said at least 350,000. So he put his number out there. Uh I, I don't know. I guess how do you feel about all that the way it played out? Paulo Costa uh he's a chill out, right? Like first of all, yes, in general they should get be getting paid more money. $350,000. You know, that's not outrageous for somebody at the top of the UFC division but i don't think fighting jerry cannonier is like the fight where you should be like nah i need more money for this one you know save it for something else so that's just kind of embarrassing a little bit annoying uh but kelvin gastelum fighting jerry cannonier that's a good fight um i worry that gastelum is maybe on the down slope of things in his career i always say this and i think he never quite recovered from that like mentally recovered from the Robert Whitaker fight that never never happened originally for the belt, and then he went to war with with um, Adesanya, and that didn't go his way. And like we just haven't seen him be the same guy since. It's almost like he's just fighting because he that's what he knows, and that's what he thinks he has to keep doing, and he thinks he has to keep wanting the belt. But I don't know if he really does. And so in any case, I think this is uh, going to be a, a Jared Cannonier a moment for him to to shine. And, uh, you know, we'll break it down, obviously, come August, but but that's just how I see it for right now. Yeah, I think stylistically they're a little interesting. Um, the wrestling, ov- obviously, is always there for Kelvin. Um, he's not always lights out with it, which I think that you that's the real X factor when you talk about can you get down a just a straight-up slugger like Jared because, you know, if you're standing with him for too long, yeah, we've seen what he can do. Um, but yeah, it, certainly, I, I think that he's just, I don't know if he's at the level to still keep getting these top contenders, like you said. Uh, but look, once again, he's certainly still a very competitive fighter. He's certainly no pushover for anybody. And so it's just quite an interesting spot for him. I think he's gotten very lucky. He's gotten two back-to-back step-ups, call-ups with... Um, Costa coming out and then uh, uh, with Costa he's playing a very very dangerous game because I get it you are getting a lot of attention you just got knocked out okay big fight you know you the interest is down well now you're talking about you drank too much wine before the fight now you're getting now you're doing this on Twitter Polo Costa if you don't come out and whoop some ass in your next one this backfires so I think he's playing a very dangerous game. I think it's working right now because it's keeping him relevant when he hasn't fought in, you know, now it's going to be close to over half a year. But at this, once again, if he doesn't come out and win after that, really he just comes out of this looking ra- very bad. So I think that's my thing about Costa is that whatever he's up to, I hope he's training and closing up all those holes in his game because... The middleweight division at the top still has some very competitive, very talented guys. But yeah, um, looking forward to that. Uh, they're moving around a lot. They're, I heard the rumors that the other card in August, they were moving for um, 
you know, the Darren Till card because they want to still try to put it in London, in which case they'd move the September pay-per-view because they would be on the same date. A uh, lot of stuff going on. They haven't announced it. They've kept it pretty quiet, but that's what I'm hearing. So August is going to shape up to be very interesting. Um, July is obviously very loaded. We talked about that last week because you got obviously Connor. You got the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3. Paige Van Zant's going to be bare-knuckle fighting Rachel Ostovich. So. And then you're supposed to pay for Tyron Woodley and Jake Paul. My oh, goodness. <laughs> and I, that goes back to my original conversation is that it's it's all uh, at this stage in the game. Yes, I know that people get their fights not always the way that the companies would like. But the fact is, that's how we judge success, right? You get people to part with their hard-earned money. That's how, like, hey, that's what gets them to say, yes, we'll pay so-and-so this many dollars or that many dollars. And I think that works in a lot of ways. I think that when you have matchups that people honestly can't miss, and I mean that very simply, it is a can't-miss fight, what happens is that you have people willing to pay because, you know, those other methods aren't always foolproof. You know, things go down, things don't work. So that's what I think it comes down to is can they really keep promoting these at a level that gets people to be that loyal with their wallet? And coming up on August, we're going to get a good gauge of just how loyal people were with their their money. Because there's a lot of pay-per-views. A lot of people are putting a a, lot of pay-per-views. I mean, you saw, the, you saw that cash app thing. I was thinking how many people are saying, hey, if anyone wants to cash app me for this fight, my, you know, my <laughs> handle is this. You know, some people did it. I'm sure. <laughs> um, before we take a pit stop at the, you know, get to our destination at the UFC, uh, Bellator 260, Douglas Lima taking on Yaroslav Amosov. You know what? That one, don't sleep on it. I mean, okay. Amosov, like 25, 26 and 0, taking on Lima. Wow. Uh, re- great wrestler. I think the fact that uh, he didn't get to be in the Grand Prix, he got injured and he was always going to be an alternate against Lorenz Larkin, but he could have his breakout night on Friday. I think that this isn't a gimme fight for Lima by any means. I know people don't know the guy, so that's why obviously it's easy to go with Douglas, but don't sleep on this one. I did want to okay. take a pit stop on that one. Did you have anything to add for Bellator? No, I just that's duly noted. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out now without uh with 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 mm. a little more awareness, I'll say. I mean, so this coming Saturday, the big one, rematch central, UFC two sixty three. Um let's start from the bottom up and we'll go into it with the triple header. Nate Diaz coming off a roughly two year layoff. Last time we saw him was fighting for the BMF belt against Jorge Masvidal in 2019. Um, Hasn't been back since then. This fight is once again at 170. Taken on Leon Edwards. Eight fight win streak. Was supposed to fight Hamzat in February or was it February or March? One of those. Yeah. Um, I believe it was March. Hamzat pulled out. They gave him Bilal Muhammad short notice. Looked great. Poked Bilal in the eye. The fight was a no contest. Now, he waited. It was supposed to be last month. Finally, they're going to fight this Saturday. Um, stylistically, for me, I think the biggest thing with Nate Diaz, Natalie, 
the same reason a lot of people love him is a, the same reason why he has lost a lot of those fights against the top guys. Um, he's great with his boxing. He's great with his jiu-jitsu. He's obviously very tall. He's obviously very durable and tough. I think, though, his eagerness to want to put on a show and get into those exchanges is really where he runs into that trouble because when you have a more multifaceted guy, Benson Henderson, Rafael Dos Anjos, like Leon Edwards tends to be, he runs into a lot of those problems because, quite bluntly, he's coming to the gunfight and he only brought his two pistols and you got a guy with a whole armory ready to use it a lot of the time. I think that that's really the key is that if he can't put that pressure on Leon, he's going to be taking a lot of kicks, a lot of elbows, could be grappled a little bit, a lot of stuff going down. Yeah, the, uh, absolutely right. And and kicks for sure, right? Leg kicks, especially with that big, long boxing, like wide stance that, that Nate Diaz likes to, likes to fight in. It's just right for the picking. We saw Conor McGregor do it. Um, most recently. So as excited as I am to see freaking Nate Diaz back and you kind of, you can say, yeah, he's a little bit old reliable. Like, you know, he's going to be there. He's going to want to scrap. Or if you get him on the ground, he's going to want to finish you, roll around, beat you up. Like he just wants to beat you up. Like you're his kid brother. And uh, that's, what's great about him. And you pointed out, of course, that's where he also suffers some of his losses because that's just how he likes to fight, man. And if you start trying to do other tricky stuff, he'll kind of just keep doing his thing. So Leon Edwards, more bag of tricks. And uh, we'll see how he how he handles Nate Diaz. Like, there's a lot of pressure on Leon, too. Long time to come back. Finally comes back. Bilal Muhammad, the fight doesn't, doesn't go the way either one wanted. And now you finally get to fight Nate Diaz after the, the delay. Nate Diaz is a huge megastar, right? How long has it been since Leon Edwards has fought, let alone fought in front of what I expect to be? This is going to be a full crowd, right, in Arizona? Yes. Yeah, yes, they, yes. Yeah, 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 they're sold out. So, okay, yeah, so full capacity crowd. Nate Diaz is coming out. Crowd's going to be on fire. Like, they're going to be more excited to see him than anybody else in that whole card. So that's a lot for Leon Edwards to sort of quickly process in his head. So was will that play a part in, in anything? We'll see. I'm curious, though, because it could. Um, but ultimately, uh, yeah, is Leon probably the more diverse fighter? Yes. But is Nate Diaz the more exciting personality and fighter? Yeah, for sure. So um, this, for me, is the one I'm most excited about of the three we're going to, you know, get, we're getting into right now. How about for you? Is this uh, is this third out of three for you, or is it ranked higher as far as uh, anticipation? You know what? I think that it comes down to the dance partner, and um, I'm also a big basketball fan, and so when people talk about, you know, Mr. Fundamentals with Leon, the fundamentals for MMA is the fact that it is mixing all the martial arts, and he just puts a lot more fruits into the smoothie, man. He just, you know... <laughs> Nate comes in and he's got, you know, delicious apple and some banana, you know, he's boxing in his jujitsu, but Leon just has the apple, the banana, he throws the berries, he throws some granola, yeah, the granola in there, (laughs) and I think that's really the key, and so 
I would love to tell you that they're just going to throw down and scrap, and they will for a little bit, but I think when I see Leon, the way he brought out all his weapons against Bilal, it's hard for me to say he's going to play into the game of Nate. If he finds himself getting out-physicaled, which I don't think he will, by the way, against Nate, he's just going to go to the grappling or go to something else, use his wrestling, but I... I just don't see it being a fun one for that reason is I don't think Leon is going to be enticed into the Nate Diaz style of fight. Now, I think the one thing, obviously there's an X factor on Nate in the layoff, but Leon, you changed the opponent. Remember, they bounced this fight back a month because they were ready to go and about two weeks out, a week out, they lose this fight for the Houston card. At what point does that all that finally catch up to Leon with burnout? I don't know, but I don't think it's going to be this Saturday night. I'll tell you that right now. And so, you know, I'll I'll go there. Uh, Leon Edwards, I'm going to go third round TKO. It's a five rounder, but it's still not going to go the distance. Wow. TKO of Nate Diaz. Okay. Um, He's not going to be Leon. He's going to be Rocky. (laughs) Like against Clubber Lang, Rocky. Gotcha, gotcha. Um... I actually was thinking third round two for Nate Diaz. I think he's going to be able to submit him. Ooh. They're going to get into some slapping, uh, slapping fight, uh, slapping uh, scenario over there. End up on the ground because Leon Edwards is probably going to take Nate Diaz down and Nate Diaz is going to throw up his rubber guard or I don't know what. And I think he's going to be able to submit him. Round three, Nate Diaz by submission. Do you want to call the submission? Uh, no, no. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, just say it. Triangle, rear naked choke, just all pick the one. He's going to do all of them. No. I picture a triangle choke, but I don't, okay. you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I can see him rear naked, you know, cause similar to Connor. Just touch yeah. him up a little bit and get him, but okay. Natalie doesn't want to commit. She, I'm afraid. She'll, I'm afraid. she'll get married, she'll have a kid, but she won't pick a submission. <laughs> Anyway, oh, um, I should have just picked a submission. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, write this down. I know you have your book somewhere. But, yes, um, yes. <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> let's go to the co-main event with the flyweights. Davison Figueredo against Brandon Moreno. Um, they went five exciting rounds in December. I think one of the big things to remember is that no, uh, there was the point deduction for Figueredo. No uh-huh. judge point deduction or otherwise, gave the fight to Brandon. Essentially, uh, I believe it ended in a draw. Right. Um, yeah, but uh, the with the, uh, the point, no judge would have given it to Brandon either way. So you have a very fun fight. I think it comes at a time when there's a lot of turnover going on at flyweight and you're wondering where, you know, what's going to happen next with it. They also fought on two weeks notice last time. They only had two weeks to prepare for each other. Remember, they came off the two wins on the pay-per-view before. Um, I think stylistically, one of the big things about this one is can Brandon Moreno be more effective with his defense against Figueredo? Because I think that was the big thing is that even though he got outstruck, I felt like he avoided a lot of the more devastating shots against a powerful guy that we know Davison to be. And then for Davison, I felt like he started to get tired a little bit. I know he complained about the food poisoning. I think that could possibly be an out. 
But I think at the end of the day, it's that, hey, with more time to study him, with more time to prepare with your team, do you feel like you've got a better read on the just what the kind of offense that you're going to be in there with with Brandon? I think all of that is a big question. And that leaves me to just toss it to you. What do you think about the fight? It's it's very exciting because we finally find someone in Brandon Moreno who can keep up with Davis and Figueredo, not only keep up, but make it to the end, survive, and, and look good doing it and get and get people excited about a rematch. You think about who Davison fought to get, you know, to that point where he fought Brandon the last time, you know, blitzing through um, Benavidez twice. Oh, geez, I can't remember the name of the other gentleman he fought in between, I think. Um, but he beat him too. Alex and, Perez. Uh, yes, thank you, thank you. And it was just like, this guy's a, you know, he's just a monster. He's the most powerful, the fastest at this division we've seen in so long. So Brandon Reno, scrappy young Brandon Reno comes in and he's like, you know, representing Tijuana and like gives him a good fight. Now, of course, yeah, there was the, the point deduction and, and Brandon would not have won the fight otherwise or, you know, received a, achieved a draw and then uh, earned this rematch. Um, but, but yeah, I'm excited. Who's learned more from the first fight, right? Who's going to come in and say like, okay, I, I got this figured out. I have a real game plan that can work. Brandon Reno definitely will have an effective game plan. I think Davison Figueredo is going to do like kind of what he did to Benavidez the second time around, which is like, I don't want to give, I, I'm already done fighting this guy. I don't want to give him any more time. Uh, so I'm just going to finish this as quickly and brutally as I can. I think that's going to be Figueredo's game plan is to just go in there and, and blitz Brandon like he could not do the first time. I expect just a lot more violence from Figueredo. And, uh, and for that reason, he's my pick. I'm actually going to go second round TKO. For Figueredo, you see? There mm-hmm. we go. Okay, I want to make sure I caught that correctly. All right, yeah, Figueredo, you know, oof. Brandon, I don't think, gets quite the credit for just how good he's been. Um, I mean, I've seen this dude stop guys in combat jiu-jitsu with palm strikes. Mm-hmm. I think he's a very underrated grappler. I think what it's going to come down to... I, I think when you think about the dangerous weapons, they just seem to lean toward Figueredo. He can grapple too. Maybe not, you know, tit for tat on the level of Brandon, but he's very competent. And then on the feet, he just is... Easily one of the tallest, longest, most powerful flyways we've seen in a long time. Um, and uh, look, he was—it was a long fight. I don't—I don't think he was as fresh as a daisy, but I do think that he had a pretty good pace going down the stretch against Brandon the last time. I think all of that just really starts to favor him. I I don't think that Brandon's going to go away quietly, but I'm with you there. I think that it's going to come down to the talent of Figueredo. I think he's proven his toughness in the last fight. I think he's proven the level he could be at. I think just he's a dangerous dude, so I'm with you there. I'm going to go Davison. Um, You know what? Knockout for the win. Second round. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I think head kick. Wait, yeah, head kick. No, punch, punch. Okay, punch. punch. He's gonna punch him. Yep. Got it. Okay. There we go. All right. All right. The piece de resistance. The main event. 
for the middleweight championship. Marvin Vittori gets the nod. So remember, how did we get here? Adesanya lost when he moved up against Blahovich in March. Uh, UFC was trying to stack the June pay-per-view. They asked Adesanya to compete. Whitaker said, you know what? I just two quick turnaround. So they went to next man up, Marvin Vittori. Five-fight win streak coming off the win over Kevin Holland. Beat Jack Hermanson last December. Five-fight win streak since going to a split decision with Israel Adesanya. In the same arena, in the same city that they fought the first time. So, a lot of serendipity. But we have quite a night of violence now. So, I think the biggest thing about it, what I would say is that for Marvin Vittori, he's very similar fighter. I think that he fought a very smart game plan the first time. Watching it back, he got takedowns. He held him there a little bit. He was very competent on the ground. I thought that he took a lot of Adesanya's best shots well. I thought Adesanya personally had a good fight against Marvin the first time. And Marvin, um, you know, he didn't, he wasn't in over his head. He was just kind of outstruck by a better striker. I can't say that Marvin Vittori is leaps and bounds a different fighter on the feet since then. For Israel Adesanya, I know that he feels more proven on the ground against middleweights. Jan Blahovich did expose, hey, you know, his jiu-jitsu and his ground just isn't at the level of his kickboxing, to be fair. But I think that Israel Adesanya has also become a more confident fighter over the years in the UFC. I think that um, just his ability to control the distance is a little better. I think his grappling's a little better. I think we've seen that a few times. But... I I don't know if it's to the level that I'd say he can consistently defend the takedown. And I think that's going to be very key if this turns into a long fight. So that's going to be my two cents before I toss it to you. What are your thoughts on the fight? This is interesting. Israel Adesanya has to reestablish himself as a badass, right? You know, he lost to to Jan and and what would have been like the culmination of of uh, his UFC career, really, you know, getting that double champ status that's that's highly sought after and only very few have achieved. And he was just coming off the UFC 4 cover, you know, the video game. So he was at the top, and he had that moment to break through, really break through, didn't happen for him. So now he's back at his division. He's got to remind everybody he's the king, he's the best, he's the badass guy at this weight class. So... I think he's going to try to finish Vittori the way he Adesanya was able to finish, you know, who were we just talking about earlier, Paulo Costa. You know, one of those uh, break them down, knock them down, finish them kind of kind of fights. So um, Marvin Vittori, for all his, his attributes, I don't think is going to be able to, to withstand the creativity, the flexibility, the fluidity of Israel Adesanya, especially with the this extra, like, determination to to put a stamp on his on his uh his reign at the at the uh, middleweight division so you know thinking about marvin Vittori and how he fought against kevin holland like after that fight we we talked about it and i i think i think we agreed but i know i certainly felt like that was not enough of a performance to get you that title shot now of course because robert whitaker turned it down and, and we understand why with the quarantine and all that he has to do to go back to his home because of covid um, you know, Marvin Vittori was just like, well, you know, 
he was the runner-up, right? And so he got it by default. But his fight against Kevin Holland was not that exciting. And so I think Israel Adesanya is the superior fighter in many ways, apart from just being the more creative fighter. He has imagination in the octagon. That's the difference maker from my perspective. So I think uh, Adesanya is going to be able to finish Vittori. I'm going to go another round two for me. Round two, TKO, Israel Adesanya. What I like about Marvin Vittori in this fight, more so, and I feel like we've said that maybe about Romero, maybe about Paulo Costa. I think that the fact that Vittori's been in there with Adesanya before, he's not afraid. I think that we have a very classic bull versus matador. And Marvin Vittori, big, powerful, plays the part of the bull, just as dangerous as any of them. You don't want to stand in front of them. You don't want to think you could just bang with them and you're going to come out of it. You don't want to just stay still and have him take you off of your feet. He's got a lot of weapons that you just have to respect. What I will say is that I do believe that Israel Adesanya has a lot of the tools and he's with the team and he has the approach that I don't think he goes into the rematch that he won feeling like it's the same kind of fight. I do think that he personally sees this as a fight that he can outperform the last time he fought Vittori and I think that's very dangerous. I think that um a lot of stuff like talked about his creativity, his ability to maintain the distance all of that's going to come into effect. And you know, every time I break this down in my head, I see a first round knockout finish for Mr. Israel Adesanya. Ooh, I like that. I see a head kick in his future. Kabang. Oh, head kick, knockout. You okay. know what? A left head kick. I don't think it's going to be a right. I think it's going to be the lead left, fakes with the hand, you know. <laughs> Switch, bang. I, that's what I see for Adesanya in this one. Bro, if you get that, if you if that comes to pass, I'm going to give you a, a high five through the <laughs> Skype machine next week. <laughs> we'll make it a Zoom call. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, no I, I just, I think that it could be a very competitive fight. I just think that uh, it, it really comes down to the improvements of Vittori because I think that if Adesanya lives up to the level we saw against Costa, even against Blahovic, he's a handful. And I think that his ability to maintain the distance is really the key. And that's where Vittori's got to steal the fight. He's got to get in his face and he's got to make him feel that presence the way he didn't enough the first time. So that's what's going to be the real key to this fight for him. Yeah, you know, this makes me think of, of the DC heavyweight era when he fought Derek Lewis, when he fought uh, Volkan Ozdemir. And this is what I think of uh, Israel Adesanya as fighting Mar- Marvin Vittori. Like, after DC fought Ozdemir, he, was, he, he said, hey, guys, there are levels to this game. Like, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you guys actually thought Ozdemir was going to have a chance with me? I kind of feel that way right now with Israel Adesanya against Marvin Vittori. Like, Israel is just another level, right? He's next level. And so... I think that's why we're both we're both predicting these these quick finishes. I think uh, you know he's the he's the right guy at the right time at middleweight. I mean, we're talking about maybe Darren Till back up there, the return of Brunson, um, the return of Luke Rockhold. 
Um, I shouldn't say return of Brunson. He hasn't gone too far. It's just been a minute, okay? But, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just such a... Look, I, in terms of MMA talents and personalities, he's one of the best that we've had in a minute. So I think there's a lot of reason to be excited when he fights. Uh, and I will say that if um, we didn't have Nate Diaz, I think that there would be so much more attention on Izzy and his storylines going into this thing. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, this is a very packed week because we have UFC, we have Bellator, we have Clarissa Shields making her PFL debut. Ooh. That's going to get a lot of attention. Um, Invicta, one-night tournament, find the next Adam Weight contender. That's going to be it, you know. That's a very busy night. So a lot of MMA this week to make up for being on a bit of a vacation, a bit of spring break these last two weeks, so... That's going to be good. And then next week, we will be talking about UFC Vegas 29. Korean Zombie comes back, one of the most exciting fighters on the roster, to take on Dynamite Dan Ige. That's going to be a fun one. And yeah, Natalie, anything before we sign off? No, man. This was a nice uh, a nice return to the, uh, to the mic. And I'm um, looking forward to talking about how UFC 263 all shakes out next week same here so guys thank you once again for listening have a good one and until then enjoy the fights